From the studios of Advancing Vibrant Communities in Modesto, California, this is Lighthouse Live Radio on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Welcome to Lighthouse Live, the radio voice of advancing vibrant communities. Our mission is to motivate believers to move out from the four walls of the church to personally serve the needs of their neighborhoods. Get ready for a no-holds-barred, honest look at the Christian lifestyle the way Christ commanded it to be. All that and more coming right up here on Lighthouse Live. And good evening to you, wherever you may be around the world. Welcome to the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Pastor Mike Douglas with you here. Great to have you with us, along with our co-host and producer, Elaine Harlan, and, of course, our prayer intercessor, the inimitable Mr. Owl, Al Ramsey, here with us as well. And uh, at the top of the program tonight, we want to uh, give a big, big thanks to the good friends at La Loma Grace Brethren uh, Church here in Modesto. Had a great time with them Mm, uh, yesterday uh, morning, Sunday morning, unpacking Romans 12. And just one of our uh, favorite um, essays by the Apostle Paul on on serving and and, uh, walking our talk. And and anyway, great time. And our thanks to Pastor Joel Richards. And uh, Pastor uh, Michael Saldivar for inviting us and a great time. And we uh, we just bless you, my friends, and, and thank you so much uh, for your support of Advancing Vibrant Communities. Friends, uh, coming up in a couple of weeks on September 17, that's a Saturday, we'll be back in the airport neighborhood here in the Modesto area, which is ironically near the airport. How about that? Isn't that an amazing thing, <laughs> that, that connection that there? Work, I, yeah. yeah, that works. Anyway, uh, we're going to be there again. And this is what, maybe the fifth? time uh, been there a few times yeah, four yeah. fifth yes. maybe sixth time we've been down there and uh, we'll be cleaning up a lot of the uh, areas if uh, you've been down in that area you know the the alleyways and such get a little convoluted and uh and uh, lots of debris there lots of safety issues as well as fire issues and we'll be helping the neighborhood and we would love for you to join us it only takes half your saturday we want to be sensitive to uh, giving you the rest of your saturday especially at the beginning of the school year so you're welcome to join us uh, we'll ha- we have several assignments we're partnering with the city of modesto the county of stanislaus and and also with the neighbors and the airport uh, collaborative so there's some areas they're asking us to concentrate upon we'd love love for you to join us down there and uh, to uh, reserve your spot now so that we can pre-assign where you're going to be. Give me a call, 209-544-9571. That's 209-544-9571. Or email us at info at vibrantcommunities.org. That's info at vibrantcommunities.org. And we'll be happy to pre-assign an area for you to work. You can go down and take a look at it. Again, uh, it'll be from uh, 8.30 in the morning until noon, and we wrap up. We're pretty much done by 1 o'clock to uh, give you the rest of your Saturday. The city will be there to help us with uh, the claw The big claw, very impressive What do you call that, Al? Is there an official name for that? piece of uh, equipment there. I mean, it looks like a, you know. But literally tons of debris, right? Like it just, it, uh, just well, yeah. You know, yeah. the first time we were down there, uh, we removed 22.6 tons 
of debris from front yards and the alleyways. And the next time, I think it was like 38.6 tons. Wow. after that, we quit counting. It was just a lot, yeah, you know. Just a, yeah. a lot of stuff. Yeah. But church groups, bring your church groups, friends, neighborhoods, everything. And isn't that the beauty of it? Many yes. churches in the yes. area, many congregations working together, and people that yes. are not associated with right. churches right. as well, working shoulder to shoulder with us, and we're happy uh, to provide that opportunity. Again, that's coming up on September 17, and give us a call. Uh, we'd love to talk to you about that. And, of course, we... Elaine answers the phone here at ABC. You know, they don't trust me with the phones, That's but so. <laughs> I just scare people. Elaine, you know, I, and, and when I'm substituting for Elaine, Mr. Al, you know, I'm, I, I pick up the phone. ABC, Mike Douglas. We want to talk to Elaine. No. You know, nobody ever wants to talk to me. What's with that? I do not understand that. But that's okay because the angel of mercy here is, uh, that, that's her gig and she does it extremely well making connections. So anyway, mark that on your calendar, September 17, uh, coming up. All right. Let's get to it with our friends from Voice of the Martyrs. Hey, what's up? This is Michael Tate with news about some more real-life Jesus freaks. In May, 19 house church leaders from the Beijing area signed a petition to China's legislature calling for an end to the ongoing persecution of Chinese Christians. As the pastors attempt to work within the legal system, the petition respectfully quotes specific articles of China's constitution and bases its appeals on the decades-old promise of liberty of religious faith that has not been honored. The petition also documents house church members being arrested and forced to vacate their places of worship. The Voice of the Martyrs will continue to track the status of the petition. For the latest, go online to persecution.com. And we're back with you live here on Lighthouse Live. I want to thank you for sharing a part of your evening with us. And we've got some great things in store for you right after a few opportunities to serve from the Volunteer Center of the United Way. The American Heart Association is gearing up for the 21st annual Heart Walk. The signature American Heart Association fundraising event helps save lives from heart disease and stroke, and it's going to take place on Saturday, September 10th at the Modesto Junior College East Campus and on Saturday, September 24th at the University of the Pacific in Stockton. Volunteers ages 16 years and older, younger with an adult, please, are needed to help with setup on Friday before the walk from 12 to 6 p.m. and the day of the event from 6 a.m. I know that's early for a lot of people until 2 p.m. That's the time I go to bed. I know. know. That's, uh, wow. I wonder what that says. About I was born to be weird. nocturnal. Uh, yeah. Some people are. The Believe owls and me. The owl. Not not you, <laughs> not Mr. Mr. Owl. Mr. Owl. But, no. <laughs> but different, you know, the barn. From six, Were you trying to finish? I will okay, try to get through this. From 6 a.m. till 2 p.m. Uh, to help register participants and to staff the rest stops with refreshments. That's the part I like. Um, on the course and then uh, also to help out with the booths and fun children's activities face painting and all that fun stuff they will have on uh, on hand. All participants are treated to refreshments, live entertainment, and family fun. Yay, that'll be a good time. And a great cause. And Isn't a great that cause. just a wonderful you bet. thing? The American Heart Association. Get involved with that. I hope you'll get involved with this. 
this Friday. I'm so looking forward to this. The Delta Blood Bank Donor Day, 8th Annual, uh, Friday, August 19th. We are so ready. Um, Delta Blood Bank, Univision Channel 19, and Three Amigos Auto Center uh, teaming up to help save lives in our community. And it's going to be the biggest blood drive. Uh, yes, very big. And you and your friends, uh, family, public invited uh, to make a criti- critical impact in the community by working together to save lives just one day by donating blood. Adult volunteers who are bilingual in Spanish and English are needed to assist the staff with uh, translation services from 6 a.m., another early time, I'll be there, to 8 p.m. Hope you'll come and join us. People-friendly volunteers ages 16 years and up are also needed to greet, direct, they won't have me in that department, trust me, and serve refreshments to donors at this special event. Uh, Flexible hours, uh, volunteer shifts available for both positions. Additional mobile blood drives are ongoing uh, at all nine donor centers located in Stanislaus, San Joaquin, Calaveras, El Dorado, Tuolumne counties, celebrating its 57th anniversary. The Delta Blood Bank, a nonprofit community uh, blood bank, is the leading blood supplier for the San Joaquin Valley and the Foothills area, and we call them partners and friends. So we hope that you will get involved with that. And last but certainly not least, Reading Works Adult Literacy Program teach an adult to read and change their lives. And they are having a tutoring and um, um, providing a tut- tutoring order- orientation. Better learn how to That's read. It's easy for you to say. Easy, easy to say. Wednesday, September 7th, uh, from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. at the Modesto Library downstairs auditorium. And then a tutor training uh, will be following that on Saturday, September 10th, from 10 to 4 p.m. And that's at the Reading Works Learning Center in Modesto. And you can definitely change people's lives with this. We endorse that as well. Please uh, contact Barbara Borba for more information regarding these ops and more. Uh, she's at 209 524 1307 extension 113 again 209-524-1307 extension 113 or shoot her an email she loves that bborba at uastand.org and uh, we have a small family that we're helping here at abc Uh, they live in a small apartment and they need small stuff how about that if you have a small couch to donate or a bed and uh, kitchen stuff, skillets, plastic bowls. They happen to have an 18-month-old baby and one on the way. They need, uh, you know, bowls, uh, things like that. They also need a broom, too. So if you can uh, throw in these items, any of these things will bless them. Then connect with us, and we'll make sure this family uh, is recipient of your kindness. Call us at 209-544-9571. Again, 209-544-9571. And you can check out uh, other needs on our website at Vibrant communities.org that's vibrantcommunities.org want to throw this uh, little info in here on a matter of balance it's uh, an exercise program for people uh, it's fall prevention not as in preventing the fall season but as in uh, preventing falls uh, so you want to uh, make note of this it's an eight week I've been course. accused of being unbalanced but that's balance. probably a different a whole that's different a thing different and, one. you know yeah, it's a, probably is... a whole different show topic that we can probably <clears throat> but, invite our friend Jim <laughs> Hinman to you know this is so important though you know <laughs> really because is. we have seen and, and I think the, the statistic I believe is that 
50% of the elderly that enter area hospitals for a fall-related injury never come back out of the hospital. Very sad and, and those are, you know, those are deadly, potentially deadly falls. And, and to be able to have something where people can learn to keep their balance and be trained a little bit, what, what a life-saving thing. It really is. And these classes take place all over the county. This, uh, one starts today and goes on, uh, again, like we said, for eight weeks. If you are interested in these classes, please contact the Healthy Aging Association. Uh, number is 209-523-2800, 209-523-2800. Well, you know, it's been such a, a long time, and however, we do stay in touch with Tom and Julie Calton throughout the years because our daughters, we've seen our daughters practically grow up together. Of course, they met later on uh, and were roommates for several years, and now they're having our grandchildren together. How does that happen, Julie, Tom? I don't know, but they do go back a long yeah. way. And by the way, congratulations on your grandchildren. Thank uh, you. Yes, that's an awesome thing. Looking forward to the baby shower coming up very, very soon. And just a very special time for Cindy and and her husband and, and just a, a wonderful time for the family. A lot of things have changed for you guys in the past several years. You were in Modesto and I believe Houston and, and now you're down in Atwater and very much a part of the Nineveh uh, Ministries outreach here in Modesto. And of course, anybody here locally has heard of Nineveh. That's a, a wonderful, wonderful ministry. Tom, things have changed just a tad since you left Modesto and Calvary Temple. Uh, why don't you catch us up a little bit on what's going on? Well, that'll be kind of hard because uh, as we speak, things will change. What we talk about today won't be the same <laughs> tomorrow. True, yeah. uh, my wife and I, when uh, I retired the second time, we moved down to Atwater to watch the grass grow. And then uh, my wife decided she wanted to volunteer at what they called brown bag at church. I thought that was a senior luncheon. Well, I was wrong in that. And so when I found out what they were doing, I volunteered. <laughs> And uh, lo and behold, before we knew it, uh, Nineveh was birthed down there. We brought Pastor Chuck Cutsinger, which yes. is mm-hmm. the pastor over Nineveh Outreach. We brought him back down there, our church. It was introduced to our church, and um, our senior pastor, Pastor Rick Pruitt, he opened it with welcome arms, you know, and uh, uh, we started. And that's been uh, four four years ago now. And uh, we have expanded to the point um, to where Pastor Chuck says, okay, Tom, everything south of Turlock, you are responsible for. And so our job is to mentor our partnering churches and uh, to oversee operations here to help the individual churches that join up with us to grow because it is their ministry, not ours. And uh, we just want to help them. But uh, in the last uh, about year, we have expanded into uh, the global market. And so Nineveh is now international. Uh, we have four partners we work with that uh, work the global uh, ministry. And uh, uh, we are connected now with 12 different countries that we can ship stuff to. Twelve. Uh, Medical supplies, medical equipment, uh, over-the-counter medicines, vitamins, dry goods, vegetable seeds. Uh, we even set up some areas to where we set up businesses back there. As a matter of fact, right now we have a project that we're uh, working on. We call them uh, bucket gardens. 
to where there's two different sides of a garden that can be planted. And uh, we have about 3,000 pounds of vegetable seeds that we're breaking down and going to be shipping these out to different countries. So uh, a family can have a small garden of 10 rows, 33 feet, each row long, and then uh, or a village, 10 rows of 100 feet. Uh, we supply the seeds, the instructions, the, ir- the uh, drip irrigation system, everything for the people. We also have partnering churches there that will help instruct and teach them how to set up the gardens. And then uh, after the first year of uh, uh, celebration of vegetables in that country, in that area, then we send a team on their second year, and we show them we have a team that teaches them how to do the uh, canning, et cetera, the vegetables. So they will have vegetables all year long. And, of course, we also supply them, I forgot what they call the seed, but there's a certain kind of vegetable seed that um, goes into seed to where these uh, these gardens, these people can be self-sustaining. So it's not a continual repeat each year. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. We set it up once, mm-hmm. and then they're self-sustaining. They can have a farmer's market and here uh, uh, Zimbabwe, you know, or yes. whatever they want yes. to do. So. In a nutshell, that's about what we're doing right now. What a concept. And this started from the hot dogs in the park. Started with the hot dogs in the park about 15 years ago, which your daughter and ours, uh, they went down, not with Dad's blessing. I I didn't like it, but they went down to what they call the Ninth Street Bridge Ministry and and, uh, fed uh, alcoholics laying on the grass and fed them a hot dog, gave them chips and a soda and prayed with them. Now, the Lord has changed your heart since then, has he not, Tom? Yeah, yes. uh, tremendously. Yes. I can't get away from it. That's right. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, and I think, too, uh, Chuck Kutzinger's um, yes. story is incredible, too. You know, coming, I think he was from Chicago. Yes. And uh, came out here with a vision and uh, no no dollars attached to it, mm-hmm. you know, and approached uh, Glenn Berto and and uh, the folks at Calvary Temple and, and what God has done with that is just absolutely, uh, absolutely incredible. Tom, let's talk a little bit about how God pre-wired you for this. Now, of course, uh, you're, as we just said, your your view on this has changed a little bit over the years as, as God has uh, uh, really uh, uh, had you integrally involved in this. But let's talk about what, what did you do before Nineveh, and how did that uh, equip you to do what you're doing now? Well, I think I'll let my wife tell you that story. Because, okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Julie, tell us tell us the rest of the story here. Well, actually, um, we had a, a Bible bookstore 35 years ago, and um, um, through that um, failing, actually, we we gave away more than we and we sold, so uh, we weren't too good at at business. And uh, he went to work for insurance, selling insurance. And now, after thirty after thirty years in insurance, and all the training that was done, and going to church, and all the he was a Sunday school teacher and everything. Well. Now I see how all that training in insurance, um, being a manager in over all the men, over all his agents and things, how 
that that got him to where he can run something like this. God I mean, used he, that. God really. Yeah. God doesn't waste any of those experiences, he does he? Yeah, he doesn't at all. And I can see how he was groomed. He was actually his his um, job in just life. I managed all of Central California yeah. with oh, the company. Yeah. Oh my yes. goodness. Yeah. yeah. So it just groomed him to do this, and he. He's doing so much more than just um, the food and clothing part. There's just so much more to it. And um, well, well, my my uh, my bent on this is that in God's economy, there is no retirement. You know, uh, <laughs> he he always has something for us to do. And it sounds yeah. like he he just opened up a new chapter for uh, for both of you there. Yeah. Right? Well, he has let us both know that, uh, and I use this phrase quite often. Uh, until our last breath. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yes, Amen. Yes. Well, you, you know, Elaine, you think, and I don't know in, in your life, but in my life, I'm, I'm going back to teachers that I had in, in junior high school. When I retire, I'm going to go fishing. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of those guys died, you know, within a year or two after retirement because mm-hmm. they lost their purpose, really. Not, and, not that there's anything wrong with fishing. Or yeah. golfing, oh, no, no, no. or shopping, Absolutely not. or but, knitting, or whatever it is that you enjoy. But you can doing. only do so much of exactly. that. And and God has wired us to to you know be social animals. You know mm-hmm. to to, uh, to relate. reach out and and to relate, relate. to each other. Yes. Um, Tom, what, uh, what what was your initial introduction? Uh, and you talked about uh, you know your daughter and and Elaine's daughter going down and and, and feeding the homeless. Uh, what was your first direct um, uh, connection with uh, a Nineveh-type ministry, and and how did that affect you as as you delved into that? Well, actually, um, like I said, for being a typical father, I didn't like the idea that our daughter was down in a in a, the Ninth Street Bridge. I, I wasn't I wasn't crazy about that, but um, in nineteen. 19- 1970, I think it was. We lived up in Woodland, and there was an evangelist came to our church, and he uh, he uh, prophesied. He spoke a word over my wife and I, mm. and he said that you will you will have a worldwide ministry, and that was in 1970. And um, so I thought, okay, I'm going to be an evangelist. Well, no, I'm going to be a preacher that traveled. No. So I just kind of, I never forgot it. The wife and I, we remember that. And then, uh, like I said, when we came down to Modesto, uh, I never dwelled on that. It was just there. Um, we attended Calvary Temple Worship Center and uh, Pastor Connie Pack on a Wednesday night Bible study. Uh, her and I, we used to talk a lot. And uh, they had their missionary work. And I, I've never been drawn or called to go overseas or anything of that nature. But she invited us to a lay leaders conference up in Sacramento. And um, when my wife and I went to that, I listened, I observed, and then came back. And Pastor Connie wanted us to give a little report to other people. And uh, what came out of my mouth kind of surprised me you know how you'll say things and you go oh boy that's good you know <laughs> and um, i told everybody uh the only thing i kept hearing constantly up in sacramento was uh, to serve mm. Mm. and um you know when we go home 
we're going to be uh, serving other people and King David's probably going to serve us a glass of cool water, you know? I mean, so I was thinking we are in the the, uh, process of being taught what we're going to do for eternity. And when I said that, I thought, hmm, interesting. And then shorten the story, when we moved down to Modesto, well, then uh, uh, we met our pastor, and he talked to us about different things. And I told him, my wife and I are here to serve. We'll um, we'll sweep the floors. I'll vacuum the floors. We'll wash windows, mow the yard. I'll do whatever you want us to do. The only thing I won't do is I won't serve on your board, and I won't go on staff. I don't want to do that. I'll teach you Sunday school class. I'll do whatever you want. He says, great. And uh, then the next thing we knew, Brown Bag, which is part of a native operation now, uh, and then serving the people. And then some of the things that I saw when we started, uh, like children in a park, mm-hmm. setting down, getting into the bag of food that we just gave them. And tearing it open and eating because they were so hungry. Mm-hmm. Uh, children coming with bloody feet because they have no mm-hmm. shoes to wear. Um, ladies coming that shouldn't be seen in public the way they were, mm-hmm. going through the clothing and stuff. And uh, our heart just started getting tore. And uh, we just kept going. And then God uh, spoke to us over a three-year period. One time, he just gave me the word develop, and um, I realized that was to develop the clients who were there to serve. And when we do the serving, we do just that, like our hospitality department. Um, and we follow the same format, of course, that Calvary Temple does, their Nineveh operation here. Nineveh, let me give you a little background. Nineveh is split. We call the area that I oversee Nineveh South Valley. Uh, Pastor Chuck calls it uh, the South District, so I don't care, but, you know. And we're in um, uh, seven cities. Uh, We have ten partnering churches, and we're in 11 locations. Uh, We're now doing between twenty-seven to 30,000 pounds of food a month that we distribute out, and that's just here. Can I ask, uh, Tom, where does the food come from? It comes from corporate donors, corporate sponsors that we get, and then uh, the the probably fifty percent of it is what we will buy from the local food bank mm-hmm. and some retail stores when we can, when money comes in. And uh, thank God for our corporate corporate donors; mm-hmm. they they help yes, immensely. Yes. You know, okay. I'd imagine you probably use Second Harvest. Yeah, I was yes. going to ask sure. Second Harvest. Wonderful. Well, the Merced County Food Bank is not. Uh, a, t- a totally a second harvest food bank yet, okay. but they're, I forgot what the word is, but they're like, they have their application in for that. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. So God uh, leveraged the, uh, the skills that he'd been developing in you and, and that, uh, word of prophecy that uh, came to you well over 30 years ago and kind of brought it all together. Yes. And, uh, you know, and, and I think this brings up another thing, uh, Elaine and, and Tom and Julie, our timing is not always God's timing, is it? No, indeed. No, we often, or maybe maybe you guys are okay with God's timing. I, I just wish he'd hurry up with things, you know, and I, I'm a little impatient with that. But isn't it amazing how perfectly his timing works out and, and how it all fits together for you? You know, a, while, a few minutes ago you had mentioned about uh, retirement and stuff, you know. 
and um, uh, I, I can't picture myself retiring. Mm. Uh, I, I cannot do it. Um, last year, I had a little bit of a health problem and spent a couple of months down, but that was because I found I was uh, doing more than I should have been doing physically. And so the good Lord, he has his way of slapping that four by four upside of my head once in a while. <laughs> and it works. I've been hit by that. Yep, yeah, you too. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. But we, we can't, every time I think about slowing down or um, hanging it up and letting somebody else do it, um, there's a feeling. It's, it's, I, I've never had a vision, but... It's almost like I can see one person that we might have been able to minister to that died and went to hell. Mm, mm. And I can't. Mm. I can't quit. Uh, the only way I could would be to turn my back on God, and that's not even, that's not even debatable. You know, Elaine, yesterday we were studying uh, Romans 12 and, and Paul's admonition to uh, offer ourselves as living sacrifices. Mm-hmm. And uh, certainly that's what you, you guys are doing. And, uh, you know, that, that entails, uh, giving up some things that creature comforts that we might want to do. Oftentimes it, it's, uh, moving outside of our comfort zone. Comfort's fact, my biggest enemy. I think most of the time when God moves us, it's, it's moving us out of our comfort zone, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Comfort's my, absolutely my biggest enemy. Yeah. Cause I've seen, I have seen, now I'm not talking about relaxing. There's times to refresh. God teaches that. Sure. But we allow comfort to be uh, almost become our God. And I have seen comfort destroy the potential of so many lives. Uh, comfort's an enemy. I don't like it. And, and are, are you thinking uh, in terms of security with that? Certain things that, that comfort and, and we think of security. And, and oftentimes God asks us to step out in faith. You know, as, as Pastor Chuck did when he when he came out here from uh, yes. Chicago. Yes, right? yes, he did. Yes, Pastor Chuck. He he teaches us a lot. You know, the Scripture tells us about the um, you know the Lord will take care of the birds and the fowl of the air. And uh, where we live, I know this might sound a little crazy, but my wife and I, uh, my wife was the one who started it. But there's Canadian geese that will fly over our house every morning and every night. Mm-hmm. And every time we see the Canadian geese and hear them honking, we're reminded God's taking care of us. And so as far as, as far as, um, and we thank him, we thank him every morning and every evening. When yes. we hear the geese, I automatically say, thank you, Lord. That's awesome. With grateful hearts. With grateful hearts. Very grateful. We are so grateful to have Tom and Julie Calton as our special guests tonight. It's like having family. I was telling Pastor Mike it's having family here. And I just feel that Cindy and Vestine are with us tonight, too. I, I believe they're listening live. So a big hello to our daughters tonight. And, you know, we have so much more to cover here with, with you, Tom and Julie. And, and thanks to our, our friends listening, wherever they may happen to be. And, you know, for um, we get to our, a special uh, treat now, uh, play a little music here, and we'll be back. For Amy Grant fans tonight, we hear something perhaps a little different from her uh, than usual. Um, Very poignant, but the message is clear in her song. Uh, This is called Third World Woman on Lighthouse Live, and we'll be back right after this. What if I were that mother staring from my TV? What if that were my brown-eyed baby? 
Tom and I were just, uh, we we have a beautiful view, our patio. It's like looking over a golf course where we live. Um, and we sat out there in the evening and talk, and we were just, I was just talking about how lucky we, are. it's not lucky, I mean, you know, God, God knows everything, <laughs> but privileged we are yes. to be born in this country and have all the things we have yes. when people are suffering the way they are, like third world woman yes. mm-hmm. waiting for a bag of beans just to save her babies, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and how we need to help, not just sit there and say, oh, how lucky we are, so too bad for her, but to help, but to get things ready and send over there and feed those people and teach those people these bucket gardens so they do have food and they can do something and give them get them a well where they don't have to dig in that awful mud and you know try to get water for their babies and 
all the disease and thing they have there. We we take everything for granted. We could be, so, be the difference in someone's lives. Could. Yes. When I think you look, you look over the history of God's people, you know, uh, us included, and uh, as we were talking about a few minutes ago, we, we do get comfortable, mm-hmm. and uh, God historically has sometimes brought uncomfortable circumstances to get us moving, mm-hmm. you know, from the diaspora, you know, to, uh, to in, in Jerusalem, and, uh, you know, to, yes. to send uh, believers out throughout uh, the entire world. God, God, you know, oftentimes has ways of, of dealing with our comfort levels, and uh, you know, our, our mission in life isn't to be comfortable no. and uh, to sit back. You know, it's, it's to be out there uh, I think responding I, in faith. I heard someone say, God cares more about our character than he cares mm. about our comfort. I mm. love it when you share from Matthew 25 about, you know, when he says, when, when they say to him, Lord, when did we serve you? When did we, when were you hungry? When did we serve you? I, you know, and it is so true. Isn't that a beautiful, uh, a beautiful, you know, the, the sheep and the goats? And, and what, what strikes me often in, in reading that is how humble the sheep are. Yes. It, it, doesn't that strike you that way? You know, it, it's almost like, oh, man, we blew it. You know, when, and, and I think they're, they're really asking Jesus, what, when did, when did we see you do that? We probably missed it. And and then that that answer comes back, you know, yeah. that uh, whenever you did it to the least the of these least brothers of, of mine, yes. you know, you you did it to me. And my wife and I long for the day that um, when we go home and we hear our Lord say, "Well done, thy good and faithful mm-hmm. servant." Yeah. And I I dream about uh, just kind of a daydream, you know. The Lord might say, "Hey, Tom, see that crowd of people over on that mountain." Multiple thousands of people. They're here because of what you and Julie did. Yeah. And uh, we're ministering to multiple thousands of people overseas. And I'll never see here, but we know that. Mm-hmm. There are people that are laying on hospital beds that we were helpful in getting over to these places. Uh, there's people in shoes and clothing up in the north part of Ghana uh, that never had the stuff. Uh, there's medical equipment that's around the world. There's blood pressure kits that are being given out. There's an orphanage in Takata, Takati, Mexico that we support and we help feed down there. There's children that, uh, there was over 300 children last year at Christmas that received, uh, over, uh, over a thousand, about 11, 1200 toys, brand new toys that we were able to get. And provide for the children. Um, and the list just goes on and on and on. That's what motivates us. Mm. That's what drives us. And when we see the results because of the grants that we go after, I also write the grants for our, our ministry. You truly are a busy man. <laughs> and, um, when we, when we go after the grant funding, one of the things mm. is, you know, the benchmarks. How do you know mm. this is being successful and all that kind of stuff like that? And, uh, uh, I'm, I marvel at the stuff, the results that I see that God does. Uh, we're approaching our 1,000 soul in Nineveh since we've been down there. Uh, how we have seen growth in church. The average growth percentage in a church is about 14% their first year. We've had one partnering church that doubled the congregation from, uh, I think it was 50 to almost 100 now. They doubled their first year. 
And it's just, it's things like that that, again, drive you and motivate you. Um, how you see, uh, I remember seeing a prayer request because we have prayer teams that, that work. I mean, our, our departments in, in a park outreach, uh, we have, we have the registration, which is a ministry tool, you know. We have the hospitality, the clothing, the real kids program, which is the children's church program. We don't babysit children. There's ministry, there's altar calls in real kids. Uh, and then we have the food distribution and the prayer team. And the prayer team, they, they, um, we had a little bit of a difficulty because people thought I was a little too aggressive on this, but I told them, I said, you go and you speak kindness to them, you introduce yourself and you ask them, you know, um, do you mind if I ask you a question? If you were to die, you drop dead today and uh, you stand before Almighty God as your judge, would you go to heaven or hell? Because, uh, I don't, I know these percentages aren't exact, but I use them just for telling the story. You ask 98% of the people, or ask people on the street, 98% will say, yeah, I'm a Christian. And 97% are probably lying. So we don't do that. We bring reality to them. And, um, one time we got a prayer request from a, a person coming through the line. And she says, help us pray that we'll find a, a good church to attend. Now they're part of our leadership. We have another family that used to come through the line. Now she's one of our directors, and the list just goes on and on and on. The, the, the biggest part of our ministry, of our leadership, came through the lines of Nineveh Outreach. So that goes back to the development of people. Tom, you spoke about a prison ministry earlier. Uh, yes, I, I was invited, um, I was invited by well, that's a, that's a cute story in itself. Uh, I was introduced to this man because uh, we wanted to have our servants' appreciation dinner our first year, and uh, a friend of mine introduced me to a man out the prison. Said, "Talk to him because he can get us in free at this civic center." So, knowing that you know, I like the word "free," that's what we did. <laughs> free is a good word. And yes. um, come to find out, Michael he serves on our board of directors for uh, Restored Again. Michael uh, works at the prison, USP Atwater in in, uh, in Atwater. And um, Michael invited me out to do what they call a job fair out there. It was just go out and interview, give mock job interviews and stuff like that with the inmates. It was my first time being out in a prison, even though our oldest son was one of them that helped build that place. But it was the first time being inside of a prison. And I watched these men and I listened to them and I saw what kind of talent they had. And I kept thinking, these guys, they don't know how talented they are. And it bothered me. And from that, we birthed a program, a project called Jonah's. And, uh, you know, pun intended, but Jonah's, Nineveh, you know, mm-hmm. get the thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, what it is, uh, uh, the warden, Warden Reels down there, happens to be a very dear friend of ours now. And uh, we've been invited. We've spoke out at their GED graduation classes. We do a lot of things. But Jonah's is where we are going to be starting in November is our target date. We are going to be using the camp, which the camp is where the what I call the not-so-bad bad guys are. It's the uh, trustees, et cetera, okay? We're going to be using their facility out there. And I have a team that we're going to be teaching all of the, um, it's accredited, and we'll be teaching all of the aspects of running a restaurant. But what we do is we take each part of it and we really expand on it. 
uh, for example, in a restaurant, you know, you got human resources, you got uh, maintenance, you got cashiering, you've got account- accounting, you got marketing, you got health codes and all this. Well, we te- take each one of these and we have curriculum to where we expand on that, teaching these inmates marketable skills to where even some of these inmates are going to be in prison for the rest of their life. But they have programs called Unicor in the prison where they have to apply for those jobs. Mm-hmm. So we'll be able to teach them dressing for success, interview skills, resume, and the whole bit. And also those that are being released, we're helping them to market those skills outside of the prison. So that's our Jonas program, and uh, we're happy about that. God has given you an entrepreneurial spirit, hasn't he? Mm. Well, you, you know, there the was another, there was there was a lady by the name of um, Reverend Neva Lima, and she's a little tiny gal. She has a, a very rare bone disease where her, the bones can break just by standing wrong, Okay. So she's only about four foot tall, but she's a keg of dynamite. Mm-hmm. And uh, about about three years ago now, she spoke over my five years ago. She spoke over my wife and I, and uh, she told me she says you are now. I'm giving an okey paraphrase here. She says you are like a bull. You will break through the lines. And you will stir things up. And that's my job. Uh, we break through the lines. Mm-hmm. We stir things up. God gives us a call, gives us a passion to do something. Uh, I know it's on my heart. And we go after it. And then when it gets going and gets going well, then we kind of, uh, we don't divest ourselves of that, but we delegate that out to another person to operate. Because it's not my job, it's not my wife and I, it's not our job to do these things. It's to get this stuff started. Again, the comfort, people will set back and say, I'd like to do that. Someday we ought to do that. Well, that's not good enough. Being 68 years of age, we don't have a whole lot of time left. I don't think this world's got much time left. So we go after these things to stir them up, to get them started, and uh, make sure it's going to get somebody that's got the same passion, get them trained and take over, and then we go to another project. And I think the beautiful thing is, that, as you've mentioned, a lot of the folks that you have served become those disciples and become those future leaders. Yes. And uh, isn't that God's work, isn't it? Connecting yes. the dots there. Uh, and, and, you know, we, we know what Nineveh here is, but... You know, this signal goes out all over uh, the world. People are all around the world uh, mm-hmm. listen to the broadcast. Um, in in terms of the ministry uh, stateside here mm-hmm. in in the, in the cities, tell us a little bit about what a typical week looks like for Nineveh and uh, and the servants who uh, yeah. who God calls to That's Nineveh. Well, right now, right now we have uh, this is what we call Nineveh Week. Okay, there's a Nineveh project going on somewhere in two counties, Merced and Madera County, every single weekend. Okay, so except the ones where there's a fifth Sunday, fifth Saturday, I should say. But um, this is our Nineveh week. This is when our church does their locations. What is going on right now? We have a team that sets out the signs. 
We have a logistics director that prepares the menu, which, you know, this radio, so I can't show you the menu, but we, <laughs> we have... You can hold it up to the microphone, yes. you know. <laughs> <laughs> we, have, we have spreadsheets on everything. I mean, uh, we can tell you the number, I can tell you the pounds per bag, the cost per bag, the cost of operation per bag, you name it. Because the Lord tells us to be accountable and wants us to provide that info. So our logistics director is setting up the menus for the different parks. Uh, come Friday will be Logistics Friday of when we get together. Now, we do things a little bit different than Folding Calvary does. Sorry? Folding the clothes on Tuesday. Oh, yeah. They, we fold the clothes, get the clothes prepared on Tuesday of each week for the outreach. Friday, we have the uh, Logistics Friday, the loading of the trucks. Now, Calvary Temple, they bag their, their food on Friday. We don't do that. We, we have it set with our menus to where we know how many cases of each product we have to have for how many units go into each bag for how many bags we're going to give. And so the, um, the uh, bags of groceries are done. They are bagged on site. The reason we do it that way is because it's easier in case we have some to return. It's a headache. And so we try to keep things as simple as we can. We have volunteers. Uh, this, this week we will have, um, oh, an average between 45 to 50 volunteers of which, uh, 11 volunteers are from USP Atwater. We have uh, inmates that come that they are released into our custody from uh, the camp. Every month, this has been going on now for a year and a half, and we're quite proud of that because I understand we're the only uh, we're the only um, church and the only prison of all the six districts in the United States that has that program. So we actually have inmates come and work alongside our other volunteers awesome. to serve the people. It's great. Amen. Yes. Yes. So uh, as as you're rolling this out, typically how many weekends are, uh, would a typical church be responsible for uh, being at? And I assume you're going to locations where the needs are, typically parks and, and those type of settings. How many weekends would a typical church be responsible for uh, for doing? Each, well, I'm not sure I understand fully your question. Each each of our partnering churches uh, take a weekend. We have uh, the fourth weekend of the month where there's two churches that do this. Actually, I take it back. There's the first, yeah, I forgot. There's the first, third, and fourth that there's two churches, at uh, two operations. Um, but the churches, with the exception of two, come to our warehouse in uh, in Atwater and on Friday, and we will load the truck, their truck, or we let them borrow our truck and our equipment for their operation. And that goes on every single weekend, with the exception of the fifth Sunday. I have a question about the trucks. In Atwater, are the trucks as colorful as they are? Yes. Still? <laughs> <laughs> yes. We recognize those colorful trucks all over the place. Yes. yes. We okay. we try to we try to identify. You know, it's like uh, the golden arches for McDonald's. We like for people to see the envy and know that that's a Nineveh, that mm-hmm. that collar, that truck, uh, that that emblem what it represents. We want people to identify with that. And again, the lives that are changed that you guys have seen throughout the years that you've been involved with the Nineveh Ministries, um, that's just an incredible thing because that's, that's truly what it's about. Yes, we have seen, we have seen uh, 
homeless people mm-hmm. find homes. Yes. We've seen marriages restored. There you go. Uh, one of one of the inmates was actually healed. There was prayer for him, and he was actually healed at the Park Outreach. Um, we have we have seen lives. We've seen children come back. Um, addiction broken. Mm-hmm. Marriages restored. And it's it's not Nineveh. It's not Nineveh. It's God working through a bunch of people that have the passion to go out and to put other people before we we put ourselves. Example, our hospitality department um, and our clothing department. We have a firm rule. None of our volunteers are allowed to take anything. Uh, the clothing, you can't set it aside for you. Uh, you're not allowed to uh, have a little cookie or roll or anything when it's hot you can have ice water when it's cold you can have hot coffee but other than that you have to wait until after the outreach is over and it's a very simple reason when christ was the last supper he stood up he girded himself he walked around he washed all the disciples feet then he came down sat down and we are to be like christ so therefore we put everybody else first before ourselves. Mm-hmm. Because we want all of our guests to see with with their eyes that we're not only saying something, we're not saying that we care, but we're showing them that we care. We truly put you first. Now, it sounds like besides just the logistical training involved, uh, at least by example, if not with more intentionality, you are training your volunteers and inculcating the, the servant heart of the Lord uh, into yes. them as you go along. Uh, do you have specific training for that or is it more of an on-the-job type no it's we have specific training for each one of these and uh, you remember earlier i mentioned to you the lord spoke to me about develop our guest Mm -hmm. well use the word develop twice again two more times after that the second time was the development of our volunteers to make them ministers of the gospel, to let them know what the responsibility, not just the responsibility, but the opportunities that they have to serve and what what power there is there and what negative results if we decide to keep our mouth shut. So it's an awesome responsibility that they shoulder. And so we teach them that. We show them that. We let them see that. And, of course, in the final part of the development the Lord gave me last year was the development of churches. And that is to go after, not that we're going to teach a church how to evangelize, because we have no right to do that. I'm not a pastor. I'm not even close to being one. But we do know how to operate Native Outreach. We do know the organizational structure. We do know what God's call is on our heart. And so we want to share that with the churches, share the results with the churches, and to take uh, my knowledge, my experience, my background, and to show them how you can take a big project and make it work very efficient and smoothly. So that's the development that we do, yes. Now, very quickly, because uh, we, we are bumping the clock a little bit here, uh, internationally, now, uh, how, how do those relationships develop with those uh, overseas countries and the needs there? How, how did that come to pass? You need another hour. <laughs> <laughs> okay. How about a couple of minutes? <laughs> we work, it's referral, and I'm not even sure. I'll get an email from somebody. Mm. We are working right now with uh, uh, the ambassador for Zimbabwe to the European Union, 
and she was referred to us by a friend that was a missionary mm-hmm. and find out she's a Christian. Well, we're also now working through her boss, which is uh, the prime minister of Africa, of uh, Zimbabwe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have uh, Nana Bakwe Sechi. Uh, he's with Harvest International. We work with, um, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, Assist International. We work with Global Partnerships Ministry, uh, Medical Ministries International. And they might hear one thing, one person, and we just make contacts and, uh, all of a sudden I'll get an email. Are those partnerships just critical? Yes. You know, we can't all do it all. Yes, and I left out one. Rotary International is another one that we just got connected with. Listen, we got uh, just maybe two minutes left, uh, Julie, and and then Tom will will allow you to close that out. Uh, What would you say to uh, a woman like you who's uh, maybe uh, facing retirement, thinking, what am I going to do? What should I do with the rest of my life? Uh, what, What advice would you give that woman tonight? Uh, just to serve where you can. Uh, mm-hmm. it, um, even in hospice, uh, if just go sit with someone that's ill. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't take any time to sit with someone that's that's needy, needing help. Um, like like me, I was sitting there. I was sitting at home, and I was watching the birds. Just what we have this big field in front of us and watch the birds and and i say lord if you feed the birds of the air Mm -hmm. and clothe the lilies of the valley how much more can we do so i went started folding clothes and passing out brown bags which is um to the senior citizens amen and through those birds god brought you back to scripture and and the truth of that (laughs) tom we got about 30 seconds uh just a a word of encouragement to someone maybe in you in your uh, phase of life i don't care how old you are i don't care like we say if if i was to have a stroke and i'm in a wheelchair somebody will push me if i can't speak give me a writing pad and i'll write as long as my brain works then i'm going to serve so I don't care who you are. I don't care what you're doing. You can honor God by serving him. Amen. Amen. Tom and Julie Calton, we love you. And may God continue to bless you as you bless others with your lives of serving. And dear friends, the same to you. Join us again next time here on Lighthouse Live and ABC. 